listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. And you know, it's so great to be connecting with Melbourne this morning as well. We're across all three or four campuses today and uh, just so excited about this new series, Sold Out. And if you're in church, whatever campus you're in, I just know that God has got shifts He wants to make in who we are so that we can be more and more, come on, kingdom enriched and Holy Spirit empowered. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the wonder of today. It's not just another day on the calendar. You've got purpose for it. You've got a heart exchange that You want to make with each one of us. You want to put Your arms around us, encourage us that You are for us and not against us. We just thank you for those we're sitting next to today. We pray a blessing all over them. We pray a blessing on our campus in Melbourne this morning, down south, north, and here in central, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Well, I've had a few people say to me, hey, I'm really looking forward to this series. And I say, well, do you know what it's about? And they said, sold out. And I say, well, what does that mean? We've got to be more committed? Or is it to do with something that is of a far greater issue? You know, I've Growing up in the church, if you've been a part of life, you would have heard me tell many stories about my journey, but I never fully understood, particularly in the first 20 or 30 years at least, that uh, ultimately my victory or our victory is determined by where we live out from. Okay, let me say that again. Where you live out from determines your kingdom victory and what God is able to do with you. And this is not what we're going to be sharing over the next few weeks. This is not something you just master once and for all. But the fact is we were created, the Bible tells us, in the image of God. And we know that God is triune. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And uh, you will be aware that you are body, soul, and spirit. Even in a sports analogy, often uh, there is this transition that's taking place because, of course, in sport, you need to have your body in pristine condition. You need to be focused. You need to be trained. You need to develop your gift. But they realize that body alone is not enough, that actually it's the, the, the soul, the thinking behind your physical ability that is equally important, which is actually what the Bible says. The Bible constantly says, as a man thinks, as a woman thinks, so they are. In many of the codes, they're now realizing that even though they don't understand it, there's a spiritual dimension. That you can just get your thinking right and you can get trained right, but there is some kind of thing that they can't put their finger on. And so often when there is any kind of God factor or religion in the background, they make provision for it. It's amazing how many teams globally now uh, will even kneel and pray, and most of them are non-Christians. Because some in the team believe in the spiritual dimension. And I love what the message Bible says. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, may God himself, the God who makes everything, I want you to stop and think about this, holy and whole. Make you holy and whole and put you together spirit soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of the master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. 
I reckon we could just go, Sila, that's enough for this morning. No, seriously, it's like, think about that. Did you realize, suggested here in 1 Thessalonians 5, that you could be holy and not whole? May he make you holy and whole. In other words, just because we've received Jesus and our sin is forgiven, we're not holy, we are not righteous because of the decisions we've made about the life we've lived. It's the decision we make to be in Christ. And so to learn to be holy means we surrender and live under the shadow of Calvary and accept God's forgiveness on a daily basis. Somebody should be getting excited down south and north and central. Come on, and in Melbourne. But God says here in his word, he says, no, may God who makes everything holy and whole put together your spirit, your soul, and your body. It's amazing in the church as I have looked globally and through my life following Jesus, how many aspects of the church take one of those and focus on it. It's all about just the physical stuff, or it's all about just the spiritual stuff, or it's all just about the soul stuff. And when you lead a church and when you're leading people and trying to pastor people in the way of God, it's, it's amazing how people get upset when you're dealing with the soul issue when all they want is the spirit issue. But I'm convinced that God wants to make you holy and whole. He doesn't want just to have a revelation of heaven, but to have you becoming stronger and overcoming where you didn't overcome before. See, much of my Christianity was surrounded with confusion. And the confusion was, well, God, I love you and I've made a decision that I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to take your word fully. And so therefore I'm committing myself 110% if there is another 10%. And yet I found myself during these early years of finding I would fall into traps and compromise when I got into the wrong environment. And I used to feel so guilty that I felt shamed. And I didn't know what to do with that because here I am on Sunday going, my hands are lifted. God, I want you, Holy Spirit, lead me into this week. And Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. And yet so often felt condemned. Now 35 plus years of fathering people. It's amazing to me how people get confused because they allow the domination like I often have done of the physical world or the feeling world. Now I'm talking to everybody today because there's not one person here in all of our campuses who doesn't have a challenge with the feeling world, who does not get distracted by the physical world. And so we get to choose where we're going to live out from. If you could take that home today, are you going to continue to live out just from your body? Well, what do you mean, Paul, living out from your body? When you get frustrated and when you get to the end of yourself and when you feel all isolated, do you have to just go and buy another thing? Get an extra physical thing on the horizon to distract you? Or, or are feelings where you uh, default to? And, and when feelings are bad, you're bad. When feelings are good, you're good. You get to choose that we need to trust the truth of who God is and the way that God wants to lead us. See, you can have a GPS, but if the GPS is not connected with the satellites, you get fooled into thinking you are on track, but actually you are misguided. I've been in one or two locations where it's lost the satellite. It's like, what's wrong with this flipping thing? There's nothing wrong with the flipping thing. 
Come on, there's a lot of people who have been in church. What's wrong with church? Nothing wrong with church. There's wrong when we don't have that connection with the Father who is making us holy and whole. It's kind of like if he's going to make you whole, he's going to allow you to go through some seasons, which is pretty murky. He's going to allow you to feel things that you need to feel so that your trust goes directly to him and the GPS stays connected with him rather than the circumstances of what is around you. That's why John 14 verse 1, Jesus said this, don't let your heart be troubled. Why are you allowing the emotions of your today to rule and direct you? Believe in God. By the way, if you believe in God, you'll need to believe in me. Well, what was he saying there? It's kind of like, well, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. No, many of us believe in God. I'm a believer in God. I'm a Christian. No, you need to believe in me. Jesus was saying this. You need your connection direct with me. This is about a relationship with me. It's not just believing in Jesus. It's about doing life with Jesus. It's about being in close proximity. And then you will not be troubled because in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you. Where I go, verse four, you know, and the way you know. I love this. Thomas, one of the disciples said, well, we don't know where you're going. How could we therefore know the way? And Jesus said, but I am. your source, your supply. I am your confidence and strength. I am the one. I'm the only one when everything else turns to custard, you've got to come back to the revelation that why do you keep living trouble? Because you're out of proximity. The connection with the true GPS is broken. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I think... The enemy, without doubt today, has his emphasis on the areas of the material and the feeling. And so this whole thought of being sold out, it's not getting more committed. It's, it's going, you know what? Soul, out of here. You're going to live with your soul, but so you don't have the priority decision point in my life. Because I am spirit. I'm soul. And I'm body, and I realize that, and everybody struggles with it. And I wish I was a lot younger when somebody preached to me out of, say, Romans 7. You go, well, what's in Romans 7? Because I want to set up the series, verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul, the, the man of God, writing, written the New Testament, a lot of it. And he begins to say these words, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I've come to realize I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. I'd appreciate it if everybody at life would take maybe a week or two and just go through this chapter and just stop, pause, say, what does he mean? For what I am doing, I do not understand. Sounds like a lot of people in this church. Sounds like me. What I'm doing, come on, anybody ever been there? Don't look so religious this morning. What I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do or what I know is right and I want to do, I don't practice that. In fact, I end up doing the stuff that I hate to do. And it's kind of, Paul's talking about this tension of spirit living, soul living, flesh living. And I think what he's saying is, 
when you get this understanding right, you're going to have oxygen like you've never had before. When you lose oxygen, you don't have the strength. Your muscles don't have what is needed to last the distance. You don't have the power to increase your capacity because you've lost oxygen. And the enemy comes in and says, see, see look at you. you. You keep doing that every week. You keep going back to that. You're a no good person. But Paul begins to bring this understanding. Verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law is good, but now it is no longer I who do it. Somebody should be shouting up and down. I don't usually get this deep in teaching, do I? I just encourage people. But it's like, if I make a decision, God, I'm for you. God, I'm going to live my life for you. And then I turn into the week and I find myself doing what I said I wouldn't do because I don't want to do that. It's not. It's not the me that's doing that. It's something that's attached to the me. It's something that I'm living with and it's sin that dwells in me for I know that in me, hear it, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. I want to do the right thing, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Four. I said four. Come on, even with an Australian accident, four. It's like, what? So you're saying I'm body, soul, and spirit, but actually... God sees me as spirit with an attached soul living in the body. And so when the enemy comes and he strikes at me, you know, I love this thought just recently. I think one of the guest speakers might have said it. So I don't want to take the credit, but I was sitting there and I was writing notes and I thought, all of us know what guilt feels like. Guilt comes from the feeling of you do something that you know is not right. And yet, Jesus brought a message to the world that all of us are going to fail and give way to sin and guilt is going to be felt. But he also said there is no such thing as condemnation. So how come there is no condemnation? Because guilt can be dealt with at Calvary. So we have a short account with Jesus' death and we bring our failures when it comes to sin to Calvary so that we can lift our head. Whoever said it said, there is a second thing that is wrong. It's called shame. Guilt we can deal with. Shame is presented as who we are. So when we do something wrong, the devil says, see, that's who you are. Whereas God says, no, that's what you need to deal with. With me, who you are is more than that. Shame is to do with the person. Guilt is to do with the action. And when you begin to realize that, you go, well, so the struggle that I'm currently in and I'm giving way to, I've got an answer to that. Yes, there is an answer, but you've got to realize that this battle continues according to Romans 7. And Paul comes to the conclusion there, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. So therefore, I serve the law of God 
with the mind, but the flesh, the law of sin. And when you realize there's a difference between guilt and shame, you begin to realize, I'm going to stop living out of the lie of my soul. So you're going to get out of the way here. So you're not going to have dominion over me. I'm going to begin to say, no, God, I'm going to live out of my spirit. Even though I don't feel it initially, feelings must be secondary to truth. So you say, well, Paul, help me a little bit with this. Let me give you a couple of thoughts to take home as we set it up. See, I, I want to learn how to live out of the spirit. And I've found that spirit living increases in my life anyway when feelings submit to truth. So it's kind of like every day I've got to practice, you know, feeling. I know who you are, soul. You're a part of my soul, and that soul overlaps my spirit, but it's not my spirit. So you get second cab in the rank, not first. So therefore, I'm going to stand and say, feelings, you are submitting to truth. That's when spirit living increases. The importance of us making our primary focus. I've said this recently, I think over the last 12 months. I'm very concerned about a lot of the church. And my concern is this is that we are drifting away from the truth and the absoluteness of God's Word. See, we're bombarded. Even everything in the elections currently here in New Zealand, it's kind of like, it's all around feelings. It's all around so many stuff to do with feeling. And it's like, you know, the church can buy into that. And, and I, I don't want to be somebody that doesn't relate to people and believe in people. But I've realized there's a difference between belief and active belief. And, and, and I want to encourage you today that the devil is going to use feelings. He's going to say, yeah, but if people feel like that, that's what they need to do. When the Bible says right is right and wrong is wrong, then it's the truth of God that is that discernment. And, and we've got to stand in the middle of that. You say, well, you know, we, we really haven't seen too much persecution in the church. It's coming. It's coming because the truth of God's word is absolute. That's why Hebrews 4 so profound brings this thought, do you know that the Word of God is sharp and active? And what does it do? It divides, hear it, the soul and the spirit. In other words, your feelings cannot direct your future or dilute the authority of God's Word. Uh, Let me read it, verse 11. Therefore, be diligent. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest. Goes on and talks about in verse uh, 12, how that the word of God pierces even the division of the soul and spirit. I think a lot of the church, maybe today you would be honest enough to go, I'm not living in that rest. It's kind of my life. It, it's just confusing and, and and stuff is getting on top of me. And, and it's like God saying, here it is. You want to live out of your spirit, then spirit living increases when feelings submit to truth. The Word of God's got to come into the middle of that. And the things you quote, the things you've heard about since you're in Sunday school, you've got to actually stand on the authority of that and go, no, 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 no. There's going to become a dividing of my feeling and the absoluteness of the truth. Because rest... You, you can't find rest without the responsibility of standing fully on truth. And you say, oh, well, you're just fundamentalist. I'm more than fundamentalist. I'm a fundamentalist fundamentalist. I actually still believe the Bible is God's way. 
Can I read it from the Message Bible? I want you just to zone in. Come on, every campus. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. God means what he says. That's about the best preaching I've done for years. <laughs> what God says goes. You're free to make any decision. But I'm sorry, your opinion in the light of God's authority means nothing. Just emptied the church by half for next week. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. Cuts through everything. Whether doubt or defense, his word lays us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is, how do you say that word? Pervious, it's my Dutch, to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. Okay, this is where it may get a little quiet. Sheila Walsh and I get the privilege of going to sisters as well for a lot of it was preaching about the breastplate of righteousness. I was thinking, we need to do a whole series on the armor. What does the breastplate protect? The heart. What's the breastplate made of? Right living. Yeah, but everybody's doing it. It's just normal in society today. We've been going out for a long time, so what's the problem with sleeping together? You're a Christian. Righteousness. When everything else is changing, we're not here to judge anyone else or point the finger, but it's kind of like if you want your heart protected and your soul protected, opinions valid, but opinion should be really on the road of discovery of truth. And, and it's a hard thing, but it's like, I just thought, and I thought, how do you guard your heart? By living in a place where you realize you're completely loved, but you're not living compromised. See, God, God never stops loving any human being, no matter what they do, and He still loves them. But when we compromise truth, it disconnects us from that love. And we need to come back to the truth of that. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. This is the psalmist. He learnt a lot. My soul waits. It's like soul. Shut up and wait. I'm living out of my spirit. Wait. Yeah, but I feel this and I'm anxious. Wait. Yeah, but will it ever change? Wait. Yeah, but I think this is going to happen. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those that watch for the morning. And I, I just want to suggest, as we go through this next few weeks, myself included, let's stop and think, okay, spirit living, I, I need to learn how to live out of my spirit. Firstly, feelings, it happens when feelings submit to truth. Second thing that I'd like to suggest is spirit living increases when past residue loses its voice. Been hurt before, you know that. In fact, I need to talk to you about it. It's an amazing thing how the hurt that we go through has a continual echo. Nothing wrong to say I've been hurt before. 
But we've got to master the ability by living out of the Spirit to go, that's not going to keep on putting a filter over me. Somehow we've got to find the help, and that's why we need to be in groups, and then we can get professional help in different areas so that we don't live with what I call filter fatigue. So many Christians are still kind of, you know, they're there, but they're not there because they've been through some stuff and the soul keeps echoing it onto them. And, and so they're living under the power of it. In my own life, again, insecurity and then that sense of, well, I was compromising and doing the things I didn't want to do. And then shame began to eat into my own heart. And it was like I had to learn from Paul's writing. No, 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 no. We, we all fail at times, but we go to Calvary. And so I'm going to take the word of God as a young teenager, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to reconnect that line. I'm going to keep it going. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 42 in verse 5 says this to his soul. Why are you cast down? Why are you allowing what, what season you're in to rule you? Why are you allowing what you've been through to cast you down? So why are you disquieted within me? How many know he, he's living out of his spirit? He's speaking to his soul. Hope in God, for I yet will, will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. For I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He echoes it in verse 11, but changes it a bit. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance. And my God. See, when I look at God and I begin to say, so you're not going to have the last laugh or the last say in what I've been through. That's only going to be a foundation as I process it in the things of God. And I do it because I see his countenance. Then he says, I do it because it's going to lift my countenance and let him be the foundation of my life. It's a bit quiet. Am I going too fast? <laughs> I'd like to challenge you in this thought. What's got the dominance in what's speaking to you? Is it soul speak or spirit speak? Now, if we're honest, we would all have to put our hand up at least most of the way and say it's a soul. Soul just keeps speaking to us. It keeps holding us where we've been. Things like this. Well, I could never. Who taught you to think like that? Uh, I, I, could, I could never do that. that that's a feeling-based thing. Philippians 4.13, as I said, says this. No, no, no. You can do all things through Christ. If God's in it, you can do it. Soul speak versus spirit speak. It's not fair. Whoever said it was fair. By the way, it'll never be fair as long as you compare. Come on. You gotta live your lane. As soon as you take your eyes off God and start looking at everyone else, it's always not fair. It's like, well, why do they have that and they don't do that? And you don't understand the half of what is going on behind the thing. It's not fair. That's gonna lock you up and stop you breaking out of the the hold of your soul. Second Corinthians ten verse twenty two. Don't we dare not compare. Well, I will never again. Ever heard that come out of your mouth? Because of that, I'll never again. That's, come on, that's residue. I'll never again because that's what's happened. So I, I don't want the pain of that again. 
I just want to challenge you. Sometimes you've got to go through the pain of things to get a fuller perspective of how you can walk. That's why Philippians 4, 11 and 12, look at it in your own time. But Paul says, not that I speak any longer in regard of need, because I have learned that whatever state I'm in, therein to be content. I've learned how to be, in, to be abased and abound. He said, I've learned all of these things. And then he goes on and says, but I can do all things. Here's another soul speak, if only. If only what? If only. Let's put it another way. This is what the soul says. This is what the spirit says. It's no longer if only. God's in the picture now. If only is no longer something that holds me back. And we've got to just process the stuff we've gone through and ensure that that residue of our past loses its voice. We'd, up at the place we renovated in Manly, uh, had an engineer come in and look at some steel work we did just for the front frame, signing it off so that we can get code of compliance. And there's concrete there and there's steel over the top. And said, oh, the, the concrete foundation's lower than it should be. It's kind of just above ground height. And, of course, the steel is bolted onto that. And he says, the problem is you've got dirt that's gone all around the foundation pile and is now all around the base of the steel. I can't pass that. Well, why not? That dirt was never there. Oh, that's right. We've had quite a lot of water and there's been quite a few floods that have come. And it's moved the dirt around the base. He says, if that dirt stays there, it'll eventually rust through even something that's galvanized because it stays continually wet. Okay. As I try to bring this to an understanding this morning, what are you allowing your soul to hang on to? Yeah, but why did I have to go through it? Why did that happen to me? Why didn't that happen to me? Come on. Feelings. What did we say? Must submit to truth. God said he will work everything together for good. Every campus, everything. In fact, if it's been the hardest, the most unbelievable, most painful past you've ever had, I want to tell you, you allow God, he'll come in, he'll scoop the dirt away from the steel. He'll even put a hedge of protection around it. Come on, and your past will become the catalyst to bringing more of God to many people's lives. I, I, had, I had a moment at Sisters Conference. Why don't the teams join us at each campus? But Again, Sheila Walsh was saying, you know that I, I've been one of the key people behind the desk at the 700 Club. My albums have gone global. Don't know where we haven't traveled and what we haven't got to do. And she's 61 years of age. She went on to say, however, I still have got to maintain an area in my soul. Because I still feel at times, I just want to get out of here. She went to a lot more detail. She opened the altar call. Hundreds of women responded. And I got up after that as I was asked to close the meeting. And I saw 
a teenage girl, tears running down her face. And I just said, honey, before we go tonight, I need to tell you something. I said, I can see you as a grandmother. With kids running around you. She just burst into tears. Meeting finished. I walked down the stage. I said, come here. You see, I'm 58. I get a few privileges. One of them is I can hug people. And I put my arms around her. Before I did that, she just looked at me and she said, with this kind of emphasis, are you telling me? Are you telling me I'm not going to die? Are you telling me I'm not going to die? And I put my arms around her and I said, no, God said, as Sheila said, if you keep saying yes to Jesus, you're going to be a grandma with kids running around. What a moment. I wonder what the enemy's telling you right now. What do you need to clear away? You see, sold out, you can't get rid of your soul, but you can prioritize your spirit over the power of your soul. Say, well, Paul, if we are called to live by spirit, doesn't matter how rational it seems, doesn't matter what your feelings tell you, feelings must submit to truth. That's the gospel. Where the church has it wrong, as I said before, it becomes judgmental. It's not about judging other people. You just judge your own heart. And then secondly, to make sure that whatever you've been through, it doesn't have an echo. Past residues must lose their voice. You say, well, how do I deal with that? You start by talking to people. You get the help that you need. Don't see yourself as somebody that's a write-off. That's a lie of the devil. You're just in the process, come on, of a God that's going to make you holy and whole. Let's pray. Father, today we, as a church, we just bow. We're all at different stages of our development and walk with you. We're in different seasons where so much dust is thrown up. But we thank you, God, that you're a God that's given us and created us as body, soul, and spirit so we don't have to despise them. We just need to learn to prioritize what's right. And so we pray that you'll enable us to begin the journey of developing our spirit strength over every other part of our life. That you'll make us strong in you, strong in a divine connection that hears you on a moment-by-moment basis, gives you room to speak. And your voice and your word will lead us and guide us with light and truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.